0: With us up here. Excuse me for a minute, but I have got song to sing. Might not be on key, but it's from my heart. No one else can tell what the Lord has done for me. This might take all day. So I better start right now. And it might get loud. It might get loud. Heaven's coming down. is going to be that he would flesh out our faith a little bit. Maybe we have a a dry faith, but we're going to ask him this morning to come in, just put some flesh in our faith. If you're with me, say amen. Since when it's impossible ever stop to me? Friday's disappointment, Sunday's empty too. Since when it's impossible ever stop to me? You is the sound of dry bones rattling, This is praise when like dead walking Hope is the- So let's see a resurrection.
1: my name is Jim Moyer. I'm one of the pastors here at Camp CC. And uh, we're going to be doing communion here in just a few minutes. We're going to eat and drink together. So what he's done, Christ has come to this earth and he, he went to the cross. And so one of my favorite two words in the Bible is, but God. Paul writes to his letter at the church in Rome, but God, and uh, starts a very powerful passage. But this but God thing is, we find ourselves in impossible situations, and God has found a way to make, he he makes a way through for us. He does the impossible. So Paul writes, but God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. So the Son of God came from heaven, and with the ultimate purpose of going to the cross, he died, and he gave uh, through that gave us forgiveness of sins, my sin and your sin. In other words, we have been justified by his blood. And so we have with this reconciliation with God. We are adopted into his family. And we have the right to be called sons and daughters of God. So we're going to eat and drink in just a few moments. But first, I'm going to say a prayer. And then we're going to spend about 30 seconds in silent remembrance and reflection over this truth. This, um, this but God reality that's in our life. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for a love so perfect that you're willing to give your son that you sent him to this earth and he went to the cross. Father, I ask that you would help us live in a way that reflects this reality, this but God reality. So let's remember and reflect silently for about 30 seconds here. So the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way also he took the cup after supper saying this is a cup of a new covenant in my blood do this in remembrance of me
0: i him, so we stay solid. What he has one.
2: to Camreal Community Church, that song, you see that drummer? Come on, folks, that was awesome. Um, Yeah, that was good stuff, man, I love that song. You need to look that up on YouTube and listen to it every day. Hey, welcome to Camarillo Community Church. If you're new to us, you don't know who I am. I'm one of the pastors around here. My name is David. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Whether you're online right now, checking us out, maybe for the first time, who knows, maybe somebody invited you to check, out, check us out online. Look forward to you being here next week. If you're out in the patio right now or in the building, we're just glad that you are with us. I'm super excited. I'm telling you right here, this card, every one of you should have it if our ushers did their job well, and I know they did. Uh, take out this card, Zoe Initiative. And uh, we've been working on this for a year to a year and a half. It has been a running time, you know, a runway in the making here. And so what I want to do right now is highlight what this is, but in the process give you some time to use our children's ministries if you have little ones who may not need to hear some of the things or watch the video that we're about to show uh, in the future here in a couple minutes. So I'm going to give you some time. You go use the restroom. Uh, certainly you can, uh, you can do that right now. Or if you have little ones you need to take uh, But this whole month, Uh, please just understand that we're going to be talking about some sensitive material. So Zoe Initiative, Zoe International, is a um, nonprofit organization that helps in the realm of child trafficking. And so uh, they started in Thailand, they went to Japan, they went to Mexico, and now they're in America. Uh, and so there's three ways that you can get involved with this initiative, uh, as I saw for you to find time to, to leave if you need. Uh, uh, you can join us in a 24-hour prayer. I encourage you to go out to the table, see the ladies this week who are involved with Zoe, who are representing Zoe. Answer your questions there. And then also you can sign up for a time slot to pray. Uh, there is a way to donate gift cards to either uh, you know, any kind of Starbucks or, or any kind of fast food, McDonald's, Burger King. Zoe has several advocates that they send out to meet with gals who are being restored. We don't want to use the word rehabilitation, restored out of this lifestyle. And kind of these advocates become mentors and, hey, have you met with your, your parole officer? Have you been, you know, medical? Whatever it might be. And they just mentor them along. And what LA County has found is the girls that have a Zoe mentor do better than ones that don't. And so LA County is saying, please send us more mentors. Well, here's the thing. You have an opportunity to fund that meal where that mentor meets with a gal who was formerly on the streets trying to keep her off the streets. And so if you would get any kind of gift card, we'll just drop it off on their table in the weeks to come. We'll be doing this the entire month. Drop off any. You're going to McDonald's already. Uh, And uh, because we all eat unhealthy. And you go there and just get an extra gift card with your Big Mac and then drop it off on Sunday at the Zoe table, and that'll fund a meeting between an advocate and a child. That, to me, is awesome. We have the opportunity to be a part of this uh, uh, in that way. Then the third way would be to donate money towards the purchase of a van. Uh, Zoe has a home they built in L.A. County. I won't tell you where it is because of sensitivity and the privacy of the deal. But it's a big home that they are taking gals and restoring them. Again, we, I, I think... We think of the word of rehabilitation, but they use specialized the word restoring for a particular reason, restoring these gals. And they have this home where they do that. They need a van, uh, right now they have like a podunk van that's about to break down in any second. And we are gonna be trying to raise funds to buy the van that you walked by today. So you saw that big white van? I'd like to thank uh, Mazda, uh, uh, Oxnard Mazda, for holding that van for us. If we can raise the funds needed, we'll give them that van, which allows them to have two staff people for the number of, um, obviously at have to have two to one ratio at any time, and uh, they don't want a 15-passenger van because you need an extra special license for that. They need a seven-passenger van. They happen to be pretty pricey today because of uh, the current setting of cars, as you know. We're trying to buy them that van so they can uh, travel in security and not wondering when the car is going to break down. So those are ways you can be involved. I've given you plenty of time to use our children's ministry. So with that being said, let's watch this video and learn more about Zoe. Yeah, so month of May is going to be Zoe month for us. Uh, Everything you saw in that video, that was the actual compound. We visited it. That's where they actually send these gals. We saw that wall that says, God loves you or whatever it's all. We saw that together. Uh, The street that had the gals walking up to cars, that's an actual street in L.A., uh, no more than 60 miles away from us. It's a famous street where this happens all the time. Uh, It's not in third world countries. It's in America. It's in our county. Um, and it's a sad thing. We need to pray about this. I hope you'll jo- go to the table, pray about it. I hope that you will get g- gift cards and I hope that you will help us with the purchase of the van. The van's going to cost us somewhere after taxes about $36,000. And so we're going to raise money this month and hopefully we'll have $36,000 and we'll give them that van. That's the prayer. Uh, I know some of you are going, there's no way I can make a dent in that, but I can give $25, bucks, I can give 200 bucks, some of you are saying, no, I can give more significantly than that. I can give $1,000, 2000 I want to be a part of this. Here's what we're going to do to bribe you. Uh, if you give uh, to this endeavor, we're going to give your kid a Hot Wheel car. <laughs> and we did that on purpose because the kid's going to be like, Mommy, Mommy, I want a Hot Wheel car. And they're going to be like, yeah, we'd love to sell it to you for 1000 $1,000. And, so, and they take the Hot Wheel car, and there's a little thing outside the table where they can race their Hot Wheel cars against another car. They're not allowed to have a car unless they get a donation. It could be a $5 donation, but you don't really love Jesus if you only get 5 bucks. So, <laughs> is that horrible? Oh, my gosh. Uh, anyway, so we want you to be involved with this all month long. There is another video that dropped on Facebook and, and Instagram on Friday. It's more detailed. It's more in-depth. It's a little bit even more um, uh, uh, risque, I would say. And so that's why we dropped it online first. We'll show that the third week of this month in our services. This month, please use our children's ministry because we're going to be talking about this in depth. I hope you'll join us. Please see outside the table the Zoe representatives. My wife's sister works for Zoe, so she's at the table. She's gorgeous and married, so sorry, folks. Um, all right, with that being said, we got to move forward because I'm coming loaded, and we got a lot to do uh, in a short amount of time. I want to ask you a question uh, as we get to our message today. Have you ever considered the differences between first responders? Have like you ever considered how there's different folks in different, in, 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 in as, that work as first responders, and they actually kind of have different responsibilities? Like there's uh, some first responders come to enact justice. This would be like your peace officers, your police officers. And yet there's another category of first responders that come to enact compassion. Uh, Peace officers come on the scene to collect data, to to get evidence, to enforce the law, where EMTs and firefighters come on the scene to help the ailing, Regardless of culpability, they don't go and say, who's culpable here? They just help anybody who is ailing. You never see an EMT or a firefighter or ER nurse or doctor refuse to help somebody because they believe that they're at fault in the matter or guilty of a crime. And you don't often hear about peace officers saying, you know what, I'm going to let this suspected murderer get away because on this one, I just have a feeling he'll never do it again. You don't see those things, and yet they're both necessary, two different categories of first responders, and yet two different purposes and two different responsibilities, all to help the general public function. So I wanna ask you a question. It's kind of a thought-provoking question. Out of the two categories of first responders, which one is right? Which one is right? Like which one has the moral high ground over the other? Which one reflects more of the heart of God? Now I realize that I put you in a place where I'm kinda of creating a false dichotomy, right? Whereas to say that one would be higher or better than the other. We actually need both. We need peace officers to stand up for the rule of law because of all the sinfulness that we find in society or in humanity. We also need mercy-gifted folks to serve as EMT, firefighters, ER nurses, and doctors who care less about whose fault for anything. They just serve the ailing. They're there to value life. I bring this up because this morning our passage seems to position itself on a rationale that seems to pivot on similar lines. Which should the church collective prefer in the midst of the church gathering? We kind of started this part one last week, and now we're gonna see a part two this week, and we'll actually see a part three next week as well. Which should the church prefer, tongues or prophecy? Both are good, and both find their origins in God, but which one should you prefer? Today we're gonna find out that Paul, in continuation from last week, prefers prophecy as it relates to the church gathering. But this time he's going to have new reasoning. Why is prophecy considered more uh, more of a beneficial gift for the church community? And what motivates this appraisal? What are the motivating factors for worship expressions in the church gathering? And how does that affect our Sunday environment? What is so negative about tongues and what is so positive about prophecy and how does that affect the priority of what should take place on Sundays? For that, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I hope you have a bound Bible with you or a copy of the word on your phone. I hope you'd open it up. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. By the way, if you don't have a bound Bible in your home, you don't own one, we'd like to give you your first one. If you'd walk out today on the left-hand side, there's some welcome folks there. Say, I don't have a Bible. And they will give you your very first leather-bound Bible in the ESV version that we use on Sunday mornings. And then we'll even give you a coupon so you can put your name on it. Uh, Go to the local uh, Christian bookstore and put your name on it on us. Now, I do realize that we live in a day and age where we're all worried about identity theft and maybe you don't want to put your name on the Bible. I get it. You can put Yoda on there. I don't care. You'll know it's yours because nobody else put their name in Yoda. That's hilarious. Anyway, uh, uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We'll look at verses 20 through 26, and I hope you get there yourselves. It'll be on the screens if you don't have it with us. But first, contextually, I want to remind you. We've been in kind of a sub-series between chapter 12 and 14 where gifts kind of were, uh, you know, introduced. And I don't like the word gifts because it makes it thing like I I got something. It's for me. It really would be a better idea to translate it like, like a responsibility, a function, a service. This is what you do for the body of Christ to collectively fulfill its purpose in glorifying God. This is what I bring to the table. Now, there are some gifts that are on the stage, like me, and stage lights are on them. And there's some that aren't. And it's incumbent upon us who are on the stage to say, hey, every gift matters. And just because I'm under stage lights, I illuminate the ones that are behind the scenes. Because we're all in the body of Christ, whether you're a toe, a pinky, or an eye, or a nose, or or a kidney that nobody sees. But you need very... Much need for your body to function. And so that's what was chapter 12. He introduced the idea of gifting. Is that God superintended giving out these gifts to different people. You don't get to choose which one you have. You don't get to choose which one you, you'd like to have. God's the one who sovereignly gives them all out. And so there's not higher, there's not lower, and we know that there was problems in Corinth because they were all about who's higher and who's lower and who's moving up the stratosphere. Uh, that's been uh, contextually in the entire letter, 14 chapters now. And he's saying, you got to get yourself get your mind out of that. And then he goes to chapter 13 and says, and the way that you do that is understand that everything's based on love. If If you're functioning in love, it won't be about who's higher, who's lower, who's better, who's not, which one has the supreme gift, which one has the lower gift, inferior gift. It won't be about that because it's all about love. And then the end of chapter 13 he talked about there are some gifts that are rather miraculous. Now, all are miraculous in the sense that God hands them out, but there are some that the very nature of the gift is miraculous. And we talked about how there are folks that called, are called cessationists, and they don't believe that, that those gifts are around anymore. The gifts have ceased. That's where we get the word cessation. There are some folks that believe they continue. They're called continuationists. And they believe that they, ought, they do continue today. And so there's a little bit of a, of a, a debate on which one, is, which one is right and which one is wrong. We, we, at this point, say that's a secondary issue. We're not going to, 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 to divide on those lines, but those are the two categories. And if you're interested in that message, I'd encourage you to go back to chapter 13 and, and listen to that message. Now, chapter 13 finishes saying it's all about love, and then we start chapter 14. And now Paul says, I'm going to go after your thought on which one's the best gift. Because you guys are highlighting this gift of tongues, which is either the ability to speak in a known earthly language that you never learned. Uh, Like if I spoke to you in Spanish today, you wouldn't be impressed because I'm Hispanic. I speak in English. I speak a little Spanish. But if I was able to speak in like Vietnamese, you'd be like, whoa, whoa. Right, And if I never learned it, that would be actually a miraculous thing that's happening there. Some people believe that it's an earthly language that you can speak that you never learned. Some people believe, on the other hand, as we looked at last week, that it's a heavenly angelic language that comes across like a gibberish because nobody understands what it is, but it's a heavenly language. and It's a language that you pray in and whatnot. What was happening in Corinth, whether it's a heavenly language or a known earthly language that nobody understood, they were doing it in the worship setting. And nobody knew what was going on. If there's not an interpreter, you don't know what communication is happening. And Paul was saying last week, no one gets edified in the body if there's not an interpreter. No one gets edified in the body if there's tongue speaking, but it's unintelligible to everyone. And today we're going to kind of see him part two is that tongues are even questionable as it relates to how they're perceived by outsiders as well. So with that being the backdrop, overarching question today is what motivations should guide our expressions of worship in the church gathering. The first one we're going to see is the heart of redemption or the motivator of redemption. What is redeeming about what we're doing? What motivates us and guides our expressions of worship in the church gathering? Well, the motivation or heart of redemption. Let's look at this in verses 20 through 25. It says this, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law, it says, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and speaks in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all, is called, on, uh, called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What motivation should guide our expressions of worship in the church gathering? Well, the first one would be the motivation or the heart of redemption. Uh, is there anything redeeming about this collectively? He starts off by what I like to call selective maturity. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, there's actually a a place in the scripture where God wants you to be immature. Did you see that? Verse 20, brothers, do not be children or immature in your thinking, but be infants. Do be immature as it relates to evil, but in your thinking be mature. He, He actually promotes like a selective immaturity. I want you to select what you're immature about. I want you to be mature about the Bible. I want you to be mature about spiritual things, but I want you to be immature as it relates to evil things. Uh, Be a child when it comes to evil things, but as it relates to, to biblical things and knowing the word of God and knowing the things of God, be mature about that. Now, interestingly enough, both are written in the imperative form, uh, the verb. In the, I've told you this before, but in English, we, we read a, a, a sentence and we have to decide: is this a command or is it not a command? In Greek, it's different. It's written in the word. Is I'm a command? It says it. Hello, everybody. I'm a command. And it's saying: become uh, 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 imperative, immature in the realm of evil, and yet become imperative, mature, become developed in the realm of biblical understanding. Be. Immature as it relates to evil. Be very mature as it relates to spiritual things. And then he goes on to define exactly what he's talking about. Uh, That was the idea. Now let's give the explanation. And he starts in verse 21. The law says that by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. Believers. Now, I don't want you to be immature in your thinking on this, and so I'm going to enlighten you and let you know what's going on. And basically what he says is tongues is a sign of judgment. If you're taking notes and you are definitely, uh, you know, going to be in a growth group this week, you might want to take notes on this area here because there'll be a question on it. Tongues is a sign of judgment. Like, whoa. Last week he was saying we should pray in tongues and we should sing in tongues and he speaks in tongues with everybody. But then he says now tongues is a sign of judgment. So what is, he, what is going on here? The prophet Isaiah predicted or prophesied in Isaiah 28 verses 11 and 12, which he's quoting right here, predicted that Israel, when they would not listen to God, would be delivered to a foreign entity, a foreign speaking captor. And so if you don't listen to God, what's going to happen to you is there's going to be a foreign speaking captor. You'll become exiled. And the evidence of the fact that you're being judged by God is that you hear what? A language you don't understand. That is what is said in Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. We see it also in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 49. If you don't listen to me, I'll deliver you to a captor who speaks in a different language. Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 15. A Similar promises of judgment coming if you don't listen to God. If you ignore God, judgment is coming. But he is quoting Isaiah 28 and saying, See, when you hear the voice of a different, uh, a barbarian or somebody who speaks a foreign language, that's actually a judgment. The foreigners become a temporary servant of God in that sense instead of Israel. Now, you got to think about that. Israel was the son of God. It was was like you you, you are ours and we are yours. And and now he's saying instead of using you as my servant, I'm going to use barbarians instead, because you wouldn't listen to me. Foreign tongue was assigned to them. They were, in fact, under the judgment of God. Of course, this happened when the Assyrians took over Israel and exiled them. So I want you to catch this. Listen to this. Since you didn't listen to the prophets of the day in the Old Testament, now you stand in judgment. And that judgment is evidenced by the tongues of a foreign entity that you don't understand. Now, remember, what he's doing here is he's doing a juxtaposition between prophecy and tongues. Since you didn't listen to the prophets of the Old Testament and the prophecy that was there for you, then what happened was foreign-speaking entities came into town, and they judged you, and the evidence of that was tongues that you did not understand. He's making an analogy here. And then he says, see, therefore, you understand that that tongues are not for believers, but they're for non-believers. They are a sign of judgment. Here's the rationale. Here's what he's trying to say. Here's how the argument goes. Why would you want to perpetuate a sign that pronounces judgment on people? Like they're destined for judgment until they can understand what's being said. He goes on to say, a guy comes in from the outsider, he's an unbeliever, comes in the room, and you guys are all speaking different languages, and you might be worshiping God. It, sure, but nobody understands what you're saying. The body doesn't understand what you're saying. And then this, uh, this unbelieving outsider doesn't understand, what, and he is left in judgment in his heart because he never finds out what's being said. That's the rationale. He so says, You should instead prioritize that which is redemptive. In prophecy. Otherwise, uh, an outsider will come in and think you're out of your mind. So you don't believe me. Let's go back to verse 23. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, they will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy, an unbeliever, an outsider, enter as he is convicted by all, he's called on account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed So he falls on his face and will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Clearly, if you are uh, speaking in a tongue and nobody can understand, the body is not encouraged or edified, and somebody from the outside comes in, they think you're going out of your mind, which is literally the idea of going mad or or raving, maybe not unlike the religious frenzies that they're used to seeing in, in pagan occults of the day. Outsiders come in, they're unconvinced of the gospel message. In fact, they find the behavior ridiculous and they don't even ever come closer to God, is the idea. However, if you consider using the gift of prophecy, they can be convicted in their heart and their souls as to their standing before God and they can be redeemed. They can be convicted, exposed, or convicted or, or reproved for, for their life. It can be called on account by all. The idea there is to be cross-examined in court. If you use one gift, they don't understand, they stand in judgment. If you use another gift, it's almost like they're in a court setting, they're being cross-examined, they see, oh my gosh, I need God. So clearly this is true, I need this, because they have understanding. The secrets of his heart are, are made known, they become visible and evident. And he sees a need for the Lord. Now, Um, I think it's important here to just interject this one idea that it seems appropriate to assert that there's a principle in the scriptures that we should expect an outsider to be present in our gatherings. Now, that might sound really simple, but I I promise you it's important. That we should expect an outsider to be present in our gatherings. Somebody who's not of the fold, somebody who's unregenerate, somebody who, who, who doesn't agree, somebody who's coming to take it in. We should expect that. That doesn't mean that, 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 that we cater our services or our gathering time to them, but it does mean that we intentionally understand they may be in the room. So that this is not a closed club simply for those who are existing members. Again, that sounds so simple on the face value. It's not a closed club. Anybody's welcome. They can come on in, even if they the even if They don't agree. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe in God. They can be atheists. They are still welcome, and we should be intentional about knowing that they're here. Why do I say all that? Because for those looking for church to be a gathering place that's like completely separate from the world, you might need to adjust your expectations a little bit. Like, is it a holy huddle? Well, I hope we're holy in here. I hope we love the Lord and we're striving to live for God. We're certainly not perfect and all of us make mistakes for sure. But, but I hope we're holy, but it also is a place for people to come and see. And it should affect the way we say things on stage. It should affect the way we define words, the way we introduce ourselves, the way we say welcome, the expectation that somebody may come. In fact, you might be here today, and you don't understand anything about the Scriptures or the Word of God or God himself, but you said, I just thought I'd come today and check it out. Great, you're in a wonderful place. We're glad you're here. You're welcome here. We've been expecting you. But for those of us who go, no, I I want to be in my Christian world where we can, you know, the world's out there and we're out here and we're different. Well, yeah, we should be different, but we also should be redemptive in heart and wanting to see others come to know Christ. There was a day when you didn't know him either. And somebody was hospitable to you in the process of you coming to know Jesus Christ yourself. And so I think it's important just to acknowledge that biblically speaking, There is a place for the outsider to be expected in the worship gathering, even if that doesn't mean that we cater the entire gathering to them. We're catering the gathering here to the worship of Jesus Christ, to the teaching of the word, to the growing of the saints, but at the same time we have intentionality about the fact that there may be somebody in the room who doesn't know him and we need to introduce him to him as well. All right. Now, prophecy. I wanted to uh, take some more time on prophecy Prophecy would be the idea of speaking forth the truth of God. It can be uh, uh, definitely. It can be um, miraculous in nature. If I can predict the future. Uh, that would be miraculous. If I know something about your past that I couldn't possibly know in and of myself, that is miraculous. It certainly can be miraculous nature. It could be a word for today, like this is you're going A to B, and, you you know, which one do I go? That can be prophetic. Uh, there's a sense where everything you have in your scriptures, the New Testament, is based on prophecy, the gift of prophecy. There was the apostolic gift. They functioned through prophecy to give us the word of God, all right? Apostolic gift through prophecy gives the word of God. So there's a sense where even teaching the scriptures in general is the teaching of that which is prophetic. All right. Now I told you there was two camps before. There's a camp that believes that that gift has ceased, and there's a camp that believes that that gift continues. Now I want to bring somebody to your mind. That you might even never heard of before. His name is Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a British uh, Baptist minister in the 1800s. Only lived to be 57 years old, I found that this week. I didn't realize that he was so young when he passed away. But he was like a giga church pastor before there were giga churches. I mean, in the 1800s, there were like 11,000 people going to uh, his church in, in, uh, in England and, and checking, checking out what he had to say about the scriptures. Well, he was a cessationist. He believed that the gifts, the miraculous gifts, ceased after the first century. He didn't see them in scripture. The ironic part about this is there were times where he seemed to function prophetically. Now, he wouldn't call it prophecy. He would call it uh, uh, impressions from God, but they're rather miraculous, and I want to give you a couple of them. There was one time... Uh, Again, functioning within this, what he called an impression, where it seemed rather miraculous. In the middle of his preaching, he stopped. He looked dead center in the audience, pointed to a man in the audience, and declared that he opened up his shoe store the previous Sunday, made nine pence that day, four pence of which were profit. Now, that was just a way of configuring monies, saying monies. You opened your store last week on Sunday. You were not here for church, and you made nine pence that day, and four pence of which were profit. Later declared that he sold his soul to the devil for four pence. It's a true story. The man later confirmed the detail, the store owner, and repented of serving the God of money over the true God, and said, Yes, I did open my store last week on Sunday. I did make nine pence, and four pence of which were profit. That seems rather miraculous. How did he know that? Another time, again, he interrupted himself in preaching to declare that there was someone in the gallery uh, who had crept in uh, and was there uh, um, basically because of all the commotion of people going, what's going on here? He crept into into the building. And Spurgeon said, there's somebody just walked into our gallery with no good motive, for he declared that he walked in with a bottle of gin hitting in his pocket. He was a drunk. The man who's now soul laid bare before the presence of God ended up coming to Christ by the end of the message. There is a, of, uh, there is a bottle of gin in my pocket I am hiding it, and I just did walk in. How did he know that? That seems prophetic in nature. Still another time, this time a father came back to report to Spurgeon what had recently transpired with his child. Formerly devout child of God, now turned atheistic, uh, left his father in just complete heartbrokenness. But his father had received a, a letter from his son saying that his child had gone to a Spurgeon uh, uh, meeting where he heard Spurgeon preach to a packed house of five to 6,000 people. True to form, Spurgeon stopped in the middle of his message, stared at the young man at the very back of the galley and said, there's a wild, even daredevil man named Tom in the room. God will save him and he will comfort his father in his old age. The father was now coming back to Spurgeon saying, That was my son. His name is Tom. He was in the room in the very back of the room. And somehow you knew that he was living a daredevil style life. And because of that utterance, he turned his life around. And he is comforting me in my old age. That sounds rather prophetic. I don't don't know what to do with that. You know, like there, there seems to be the possibility that God can break in and invade our space miraculously. Now, I want to caution you, because Spurgeon also said, I don't live for these times, I don't look for these, I'm, not, I'm devoted to God, not these moments of uh, uh, impressions. And people that live for those moments often find folly. He writes a lot about that. But at the same time, he seems to function as something that was rather miraculous. God can, and who are we to argue with God? He can invade our space and act miraculously. I remember one time I was speaking at a a youth camp in Zephyr Cove in... Lake Tahoe, and it's about three to 400 students, high school students, and I'm preaching, and you know, you, you, you're at a camp, there's was a winter camp for the weekend, and you're preaching, and you're, you're, you're talking about moralisms to get people to the cross of Christ, that's you know, a normal thing you would do on a weekend like that, and I start saying things that, that high schoolers might be struggling with, whether it's sexual promiscuity or drug-related stuff, or whatever, all these things, and just trying to identify and let them pick where they're at so they can come to cr- the cross of Christ with their life and submit their life to Christ and give their life over to Christ. And somewhere in the middle of that time, I said something like, and, uh, uh, and maybe you go into the restroom and you take out of your stomach what was in your stomach for dinner, something of that nature. And I'll never forget at the end of that message, a gal came up. She looked at me at 17 years old and she says, how did you know my story? I said, I'm not sure what you're talking about. She said, no, 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 you stopped and you looked right at me and you said, Last week, you went into the restroom and whatever was in your stomach, you. And I said, Han, I don't know you. I don't know your name and I don't know your story. But I can tell you that sometimes God wants to get your attention. And it seems like, randomly from my perspective, I was looking at you and God was talking to you. I would encourage you before you leave this weekend to do business with God. Was I functioning? I don't know. I didn't didn't say your name for sure, you know. God can sometimes invade miraculously, and if he does, and it doesn't, and it doesn't contradict the scriptures, then just embrace it. Uh, there, there's, there's a person in our church, a lovely lady, she comes up to me often and says, you know what I saw while you were preaching? And she just encourages me with whatever she saw. Well, praise God, if it doesn't contradict the scriptures, what's the big deal? God can do what he wants to do. Well, what motivation should uh, guide our expressions of worship in the church gathering? First, we saw... Uh, uh, The heart and motivation of redemption. (laughs) Thank you. And now we're going to see the heart and motivation of edification. This short verse says this What then, brothers, when you come together, each has one, uh, has a hymn or a lesson or a revelation, a tongue or interpretation, let all things be done for what? The building up. Whatever you come, what, however God's gifted you. Whether it's a teaching. I'm going to be a teacher. It's going to be a teaching. Well, however, wherever you come, come ready to encourage and build up the body. That's, that's, that's the encourage. That's the exhortation. And it's an, uh, an imperative again. Let things be done this way for the edification of the body. If you come and allow prophecy, uh, the preaching of the word would be, in a sense, the preaching of the prophetic word of the apostles. If you let that reign in the room then that'll encourage the believer to grow and it'll encourage the non-believer of where they are in their faith as well. I I want you to come and make sure that everything we do is for the purpose of edification. Is what I'm gonna say gonna be edifying? If the answer is no, then don't say it. If what I'm gonna say is edifying, then I can say it. If what I'm gonna do is not gonna be edifying, then I don't do it. If what I'm gonna do is gonna be edifying, then I can do it. Let this be the litmus test for whatever you do, whatever you say in the gathering together. Do that. Uh, And this word edification, it's the idea of an architectural building. Literally, the idea is to build a house or construct a home. Uh, Figuratively, it would be the idea of growing, improving, maturing. We're building the house of our faith together. Come ready to encourage somebody else to build their house of faith. And come ready to receive and let your house of faith be built as well. That you would grow, that you would improve, that you would mature, that you would expand your attention span, so you listen some more so that God can saturate your heart and your soul and change you from the inside out if you devote yourself to the prophetic word of God. It's laid out before you. Prophecy prophecy edifies both the believer and the non-believer. Tongues does not and so that's why you should leave that part at home. That's what he's saying Um, and we'll even see some more of that even next week. Well, we come to this and we ask ourselves when we get to passage like this, what is the timeless principle that we can get out of the passage? A timeless truth that's the first century and then 2,000 years later, what is a timeless principle that we can get out of the passage when you have this passage talking about tongues versus prophecy and prophecy versus tongues? What is the timeless truth? And I think the timeless truth that I was able to get out of it was this. We are to choose redemption over judgment. Choose redemption over judgment. Well, there's got to be a way when you're, when you're vacillating in your heart what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do. Choose redemption over judgment. And that was going on in Corinth. They, they were choosing tongues over prophecy, which was choosing judgment over redemption. I could speak in a different word, whether it's an angelic word or, or another language, but if nobody understands, then the person who doesn't know Christ is going to be judged until they hear the truth of Christ. And so you're choosing judgment over Redemption. Not only was it a sign of judgment, but even a non believer comes to the room, they're going to reject the gospel because of it. I don't understand what's going on there. I don't want to be part of this. And so choose redemption over judgment. In your life, try to choose redemption over judgment. This is a principle actually that leads us to do th- things a certain way around here. Uh, if you aren't uh, uh, familiar, if you haven't been here too long, you know, at the very end of our service today, there'll be a video. It'll say if you're a first-time guest, a second-time guest, or a third-time guest, we have some gifts for you. First time you come, you can either get uh, you know, a gift card, $5 to Starbucks, or Coffee Bean, whichever one you prefer. And if you would let us know, we will, we will give a $5 donation to the charity of your choice. Second time gift, we'll give you a mug that has our logo on it. And if you come every week with that mug, we'll give you free coffee. Actually, we'll give you free coffee every week. But the point is, if you bring the mug, you look like you belong because you have a CAMCC mug. And if you're a third time guest and you let us know about it, we'll invite you to be on a VIP guest dessert list where you get to meet with me, our staff, and our elders on a night that we do probably once every two or three months when we have enough people uh, to do that. And uh, uh, what you might not know, especially if you haven't gone through this process yet, which by the way, it's never too late to do it's right. You can go ahead and still do that process. Well, I've been here for six months. We don't care. Do the process with us. We want to invite you and enfold you to our church. What you don't know is every time we receive notice of a first, second, or third time guest, there's a handwritten note card that goes out from one of our staffs to all these people. We have a person on our staff team that takes first time guests. We have a person on our staff team that takes second time guests. And then yours truly takes a third time guest. And the reason we do that is because we know if we get notice of a third time person, they're actually becoming more enfolded to our church and we're more likely to retain them than if they just came once. And that's the whole reason why we do this. And on that card that all of us write to these folks, it says, All are welcome. I wish I had the picture for you, but I didn't think to, thought too late about it, but I could have put it on the screen. It says, all are welcome. And then on the back is a little handwritten note from somebody on our staff team. And you know what's interesting about that is we don't qualify that. We don't say like, uh, you're welcome here if you know God already, you're welcome here. We don't say if you're already a Christian, you're welcome here. We don't say if you already buy into Judeo-Christian values, you're welcome here. We don't say if you can dress up pretty on Sunday, you're welcome here. We don't say if your life is all put together, you're welcome here. We don't say if you vote a certain way, you're welcome here. We don't say, you know, if your socioeconomic or racial, ethnic or gender background is appropriate, then you're welcome here. We don't say if you're living morally right now, you're welcome here. We say all are welcome here. Why? Not because we're scared to stand up for the scriptures. I'll tell you that right now. Hang out with us a little bit and you'll see that we're gonna stand up for the scriptures. But we are choosing redemption over judgment. We believe that no matter what the past looks like, where you've been or what you've been through, that God can redeem you and change you and make you different moving forward. We don't care where you're at. We don't try to clean the fish before we catch them. We let God catch them and he cleans them. And so we say all are welcome here. Why, because we choose redemption over judgment. Well, that's how it affects us on a collective whole, but how does it affect you individually? Like how do you choose redemption over judgment in your everyday life, well, I haven't been married to a person who's now in charge of our pantry, and uh, this story comes from our pantry this week and uh, uh, you know several months ago we had a couple of one, wonderful people who had retired from leading our pantry for some thirty years of volunteerism and our elder said, "You know what it's just too big of a job let's let's make this a paid position. And then my wife came to me and said, can I apply for this? And the reason she asked me is because there's been several times in the past in our history and our marriage together, I've said, no, you're not allowed to apply for a job where I'm one of the pastors on staff. And the reason is the obvious perceived notion of nepotism and things of that nature. I've learned along the way that that's not very fair to her. And so I said, sure, apply for it. And then I went quickly to the elders and I went to, to Kenny and I said, listen, um, I want to be completely out of everything. I don't want to be involved in any conversations. I don't want to be involved in any managerial conversations. I don't want to be involved in the hiring process. I don't want to be involved. And I don't do me any favors and don't do my family any favors and choose the person that's right for the position. That's all. I don't want to do anything else. Well, they hired her Um, to my, you know, elation. She's so confident. She's so mercy gifted. If you know our story in the last five years, it's just a miracle of what God's doing. So I'm very grateful for that. But as a byproduct of that, I get real-time updates every week as to what happens in the pantry. And, of course, last week we, we served 140 families last week, and seven to eight of them were new families, and we got them registered, and so I hear all these stats every week. And uh, And, by the way, if you in any way contribute to Camarillo Community Church, I wanna say thank you and you're the hero of this story because your gifts allow us to do things like this. 140 families last week got food in our community. She goes, but that's not even the best part, David. There was a guy who came last week for the first time and he came back this week and this time he he said, I came here last week and you gave me two bags of food and I'm so appreciative of what you've done. I've gotta serve, please let me serve is there anything I can do around here? My wife's like, oh yeah, I'll stick you with one of my OG Jesus freak, you know, Godfathers of the faith men around here. And you won't leave today without hearing about Jesus Christ. And so she pairs him with this Godfather, OG, you know, Jesus freak guy. And all he's doing is talking about Jesus the whole time is whatever they're doing together. It didn't matter. It was, we got him there and we got him attached to an amazing man of God in our church. My wife starts going around and says, hey, we have this prayer wall. Is there anything we can pray for you about? We're going to put it on the wall. We're praying together for what's going on. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, I got a prayer request. Would you pray that I stay straight, that I, that I stay clean off of substances? Like I, I gotta do right by my family. I gotta do right, I gotta, I gotta stay straight. I gotta stay on the right path. I gotta find a job. And you can imagine with my background how, how it is to find a job in that scenario. And our OG, Jesus free guy said, you need a job? The Guy said, yeah. He goes, I'll give you a job. Why don't you come work at my house this week? Come work with me. I got some things around the house that need to be done. You can come work at my house. He goes, really? He goes, yeah, I got one condition though. What's that? You come to me on Denny's on Friday. The men of this church get together. They pray and they read the word. I'll be able to feed you a little bit with money. We want to feed your soul as well. The guy goes, oh, I think I can do that. I'll be there at Denny's. And I bet you somebody will buy his ticket as well. OG mentor guy says, I'm going to take this opportunity to hire this kid. And as I was preparing the message this week, I thought to myself, this godly gentleman in our church was saying to this young man, I won't judge you. I won't judge you for your past. In fact, I will hire you myself. And maybe, just maybe, the investment that I make in your life right now will simply be a picture of the heart of God who wants to purchase your soul. You see, I might be able to purchase you for day labor, but he can redeem your soul for eternity. You know what he's doing? He was choosing redemption over judgment. Choosing redemption over judgment. And I'm not sure how God might want to apply this principle in your life, but I'm quite certain it might look a little like that. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so glad that you chose redemption over dead judgment as it relates to my soul and now you task us to pay that forward i pray that you would allow us to do the same in jesus name amen
3: amen thank you pastor david you know salvation is a free gift it's a free gift of god if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't know jesus christ and he's been ta- david's been talking about redemption and all this uh, god wants to save you from this world from sin and get you in a place where you can spend eternity with him um, what it involves it's a free gift but it involves us surrendering and you know the international sign for surrender don't you raise your hands just give up what well, you might be wondering what am i surrendering from you're surrendering from the world and living the world's way and beginning to live God's way so you're turning your back on that and saying God I'm going to pursue you I've been on the throne in my life I've been calling the shots I've been trying to do things my way and the world's way and it's not working God has a way for your life he wants to be the Lord he wants to sit on the throne and you just submit to that and you say God I'm going to surrender that and I'm going to come over here where you're on the throne of my life. You're the one calling the shots. I'm gonna call you my leader, my Lord, and I'm gonna to submit to you in your word, and I'm gonna put myself under that. Um, that's what it means to become a Christian. And if you're in a spot where you're ready to do that, where you're ready to surrender on life for this world and start living life for God, um, he wants to save you and give you a spot in his kingdom, call you his son or daughter. Um, and you can do that today. Uh, and if you're ready to do that, would you just let us know? We have people at the counter on your way out who would love to pray with you, love to talk with you, get you a Bible if you don't have one. If you're online, go to camcc.net and click on Next Steps. There's a form you can fill out, and one of our pastors will get to you this week. We'll get, we'll get back with you. Um, just We want to walk with you on your journey towards Christ if that's where you're at. So if God's doing something in your heart, let us know. All right. Um, I'm going to call some people out on the stage right now, and uh, we're going to do some um, prayer. I was going to send off Drew Hefty and Alex. While we're doing that, uh, while they're coming out, I just want to also mention uh, giving. We're going to, if you want to give, we give here because we want to honor Jesus with our tithes and offerings. It's one of the things we do. Um, If you want to give towards the Zoe initiative, towards the van you can do that online in the pull-down menu. There's, you can choose Zoe and you can designate towards that. Or if you want to write a check, just write Zoe on the uh, memo line and uh, you can drop that in the offering plate. But no matter which way you give, your gifts enable us to continue to minister here at KCC So as we honor and worship God through that, and there's three ways to do it, I think they probably put that on the screen. Anyways, uh, we're going to transition now. This Drew and Come Alex and David
2: come on over this is a family of ours we uh you know claim this family and we love sending we believe in sending and so God has opened a door for you what's the church name again I keep on forgetting. it is Grace Redeemer Grace Redeemer in uh New Jersey and so um you know Drew you've been with us since you're a young boy even before you know adulthood And uh, we're excited about what God's doing through you and how he's going to use you there. And we didn't want you to leave without us placing hands on you and praying for you. I know you had a couple things you wanted to say to the congregation, so let's let you do that and let's pray for you and send you guys off
4: well. We are continually in awe and forever grateful for how much God has moved in our lives in this time of reflection and transition. To my home church, I am thankful beyond words for being, for you being the body that has brought me up in the faith. You'll be missed and thought of often. To the pastoral team and the youth staff, serving with you has been one of the greatest joys of my life. We are family. To the students and their families, these past four years have been a privilege. I am praying for you as God brings the next shepherd for you. I love you all. And finally, to those who've invested their time and energy and prayers in us, thank you. We will never be able to repay you for being the spiritual partners and leaders in our lives. Thank you all for the opportunity and praise God for Camcc. All
3: right. I'm a... I was, uh, I've known Drew since he was in eighth grade. Um, I was his, one of his youth pastors as he was growing up here in this church. And it's such a privilege for me to be able to pray for him as we send them uh, out into the, to their mi- next ministry calling. Um, so if you'll bow your heads. If you want to extend a hand towards Drew and Alex as we lay hands on them, that would be awesome. Lord, thank you for Drew and Alex and Thomas and for this door you've opened of opportunity and ministry. I just pray that you bless them as you go, that you provide a fruitful ministry for them in New Jersey at Grace Redeemer, Lord, that they be a blessing to that congregation, to the youth in that church, and for all that they're, uh, Drew and Alex are in charge of while they're there, Lord, that you would use them powerfully for your name's sake to expand your kingdom here, Lord, as they go. Um, Let them know that we're with them, Lord. Give them that peace that we're here praying for them and supporting them. And uh, Drew and Alex, they will always be sons and daughters of this church and always welcome here anytime. We'll be so grateful when they come and visit us in the future, Lord. Just thank you for the relationship we have as brothers in Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, I should say. And that um, there's, even though they're apart, that we can be with them and excited for what they're doing. Lord, thank you for that. And as they go now, would you grant them uh, your favor? We say this in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, Tonight at 6.30, if you want, we're going to have a reception for Drew and Alex in this other building um, where you can come say goodbye to them. And there's going to be a special dessert that I think they'll like. And uh, we would love to see you there if you can be there. Okay, thanks, guys. All right? So check out this video for what's coming up next at CAMCC.
5: Hi, CAMCC. I'm Carolyn Hart, and I serve in our Awana ministry, and I'm so grateful to be part of our church family here at CAMCC. If it is your first, second, or third time as a guest, we have some gifts for you to thank you for checking us out. We want to put a face to your name, so please go to the welcome counter in the lobby with your connection card. And if you're watching us online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. Check out what's coming up at CAMCC. The month of May, Zoe initiative, reaching and rescuing trafficked children. The month of May, we are partnering with Zoe, a nonprofit organization that fights against human trafficking. Ways for you to get involved would be one, join our 24 hour prayer time, sign up for a slot on the patio. Two, donate $10 coffee and fast food gift cards to the advocate team that meets with these girls. And number three, donate to purchase a van for Zoe. This is a huge need for them right now. Sunday, May 8th, Mother's Day, Child Dedication. Dedications are next Sunday for birth through third grade. Still time to sign up at camcc.net slash events or email elaine at camcc.net. Monday, May 9th, Camcc CC Blood Drive, 1230 to 530 p.m. Help save a life by donating blood at Camcc in the activity center to help our local hospitals. Friday, May 27th through Monday, May 30th, Family Camp at Sage Hill in Santa Barbara. Enjoy the outdoors, camping, hiking, fishing, and family games. If you can't make the whole weekend, that's okay. Just come up for the day. Also enjoy a Saturday potluck dinner followed by our weekend gathering as we will not be gathering on campus May 29th. Join us May 28th at the camp for our gathering or watch Sunday, May 29th only online. Sunday, June 12th, Baptism Sunday. Take the next step in your faith by publicly declaring Jesus a Savior and Lord of your life. We will have baptisms for both gatherings. To sign up or if you have questions, please go to camcc.net slash next steps or email daryl at camcc.net. We will provide everything you need. Tuesday, June 14th, worship night. Come join us for a dynamic night of worship, prayer, and scripture. Invite your friends and family to join you from 7 to 8 p.m. and It's going to be a powerful evening. Tuesday, June 14th, PJs and popcorn. Kids birth all the way up through third grade come in your pajamas for a praise party kid style and all-you-can-eat popcorn while your parents are at worship night. For more information, please check out our website at camcc.net. Important dates coming up, so make sure and save the date and check out upcoming events at camcc.net. High School Fries on Camp, June 19th through 24th. Middle School Catalina trip, August 5th through 8th. To stay in the loop at what's going on at CAMCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information on any of these events, go to CAMCC.net. What I got out of the message today was that you all have value. We all have value. No matter where you are in your life, you have a gift, so bring it to the church and use it. Uh, We're so glad you are here today. Remember to go uh, online and fill out that connection card if you didn't already. Come see us at the welcome card. Hang out on the patio and have a great rest of your week. We're so grateful you were here.